0: Welcome to the Underground, My Little Underground with Peter A.
1: It's My Little Underground. I'm Peter A. This week on the show, we have Long Island radio veteran DJ Sandra D talking about her time at Radio Disney her sweet beat show on OWWR Old Westbury Web Radio, my alma mater. We also talked about music discovery, dealing with artists, big country events Sandra has covered, and more with the very motivational, inspiring DJ Sandra D making her first appearance on My Little Underground. My Little Underground. I want to start with Radio Disney because you were there a while. Yes, yeah, about 12, uh, twelve years. Mm-hmm. So, and when I was a, a little little kid, maybe like six, seven years old, I listened to Radio Disney a little bit. And I them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think it was before you 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 got on. Probably. So, how did you get involved with uh, Radio Disney?
0: So, when I was studying at Nassau Community College, I was like, "All right, I really want to do an internship. I do want to do something in the music industry. I have no idea what I want to do." Well, I had an idea, and and it seemed kind of possible but impossible when i had i gone there and they were like well what do you want to do and i said well i want to manage the backstreet boys and they were like ha 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 and they laughed at me and i was like no seriously and and it was just funny like it was funny to them but to me i was like no i'm serious you know i took i took a love for this band and i wanted to do something with it so i actually applied for their record label i applied for jive records i got a little you know Letter went back when emails were kind of not really. They were just kind of getting into that, and they sent me a handwritten letter saying sorry, you know, but thanks for trying. And I was like, oh man, I was so crushed because Jive Records, you know, InSync, you had Britney, you got Backstreet, that would have been so cool. And I was kind of like my shoe. And then I wrote to Transcontinental Records, which managed all these groups and boy bands at the time. And that didn't happen. So I was like, oh, well, again, I got a handwritten letter. Not sure if it was from Blue Pearlman, which would be kind of awkward. But uh, I did get a handwritten letter back, which was kind of nice. So I'm like, all right. So then one day, my career counselor was like, I found something, or I might have found something for you. So she showed me a flyer, which I still have to this day, in a folder somewhere. And it says, Radio Disney's looking for a few good mice. Do you love Backstreet Boys, Aaron Carter, Sync, and Brittany? And I said, yes, to all of those. So I called. And I literally was kind of in between school, like in between schools, so I was getting ready to kind of not graduate, but kind of finish off with Nassau and kind of go on to another school. And I'd applied to Hofstra, I'd applied to Adelphi, and I called Radio Disney and I sent in my resume because that's what I wanted. And they were just like, come in on such and such a date. And I was like, Okay. And I was like a little nervous at the time because I was like, here I am, 21 years old, my first time in New York City, my first time at a massive building above Two Penn Plaza, like right there, you know, taking the train in. And I wa- I remember I was a couple minutes late because of my train. We've got to love that Long Island Railroad. And I walked in and I was in this conference room and I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. And they were like, no, it's okay. It's okay. Come sit down. So I went in, I sat down and I was like, I guess I got it because I was sitting in the room with all these interns and I was like, wow. Okay. So confused, but okay. So afterwards I was like, I went up to the promotions manager and I was like, well, I guess I got it. And she was just like, Oh yeah, yeah, no, it's, yeah. it's fine. I was like, well, I'm in between school. She's like, I, it doesn't matter. We just need people. We just need bodies. It's so, okay. So I started as an intern with uh radio Disney. So that's kind of how I was, uh, Brought into the Radio Disney or found the Radio Disney realm, so to speak,
1: which is quite interesting. How did you get an on-air slot? Like, Were you full-time? Were you part-time?
0: So I was part-time. I Well, I started as an intern. And then after about a year, I go, I really, really like it here. Like, I really love this. And one of my friends was like, well, if you want to do this, you kind of have to, you got a host. And I was like, oh, no, I don't do that. And I was the atypical, not how you hear me, see me. As I am right now, I was very quiet. I was very shy. I was very just like that really, really shy intern. And I would and be like, here's your chocolate or here's your prize. Bye. Like very quiet, very, very quiet. And I kind of opened up my shell a little bit and I'll never forget it. I was like, all right, may, maybe, maybe I could take a stab at the microphone. I don't know. Jenny Jem, one of my good friends, uh, she got me on the microphone at a 7-Eleven in Massapequa. And she, and it was funny cause I'll never forget it. I had some of my cousins there and I went with her and she was like, my good friend Sandra Day is going to do a hoop game. And I was like, uh, no, 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 no. I was giving her the signs like, oh, not happening, not happening. And she's like, and I was like, okay, I guess this is happening. And I did. And she's like, I think he got something. And I was like, no, no, no. I'm so terrible. I was like, um, I was like, Ugh. I was like, you know, stuttering. Like I didn't know what I was doing. And she's like, you know, you just have to practice. This all takes practice. She's like, I think you could do it. So I went home. I went and I practiced. I practiced doing a hula hoop game with my sisters or to imaginary people in my living room. I practiced in front of a mirror and I practiced with a like a pretend hairbrush, like a microphone, like don't like you know in the mirror. And uh, and then my boss, you know, I I expressed a little bit of interest, saying I wanted to stay. And she's like, okay, we're we're gonna train you. And I said, okay. She's like, you're gonna come out on some events with me, and we're gonna we're gonna mold you. We're going to groom you. I said, okay. So I watched her and I remember watching her. I remember watching my friend Bugsy at the time. And I was just like, and I would watch every little thing that they would do. And they were like, okay. And and when I did it with my boss, which was the coolest thing, she'd be like, okay, I did this. Now you're going to do it. And so I would do like, I would mimic what she did at an event, mind you. And then one day she goes, okay, I'm going to give you your audition. And I go, oh my gosh. And it was a little awkward for me at the time because it literally was at a Jewish museum, and I was like, "I'm not Jewish, so this is going to be kind of interesting." And I was like panicking. I was like, "Oh my gosh, I need Jewish trivia questions. I need to know Jewish games. I need to know everything. Everything I need to know. I and I did, and I like literally was like sweating the night before, like thinking about it. So I did the event. Uh, my boss was there, and she said, "You did great." you're we're gonna we're gonna pay you we're gonna hire you I said what do you mean you're gonna hire me and she's like you're gonna get paid to do this and I was like wait what I was like seriously get paid to like hang out be on a microphone and have fun with kids and have a great time and she's like yeah and I was like wow okay so that's when DJ Sandra Dee was born uh and it wasn't until like I started like really kind of diving deep into Radio Disney where at, at certain points throughout the years, my boss would be like, it's your time. And I'd be like, okay. And she would pass over the mic and let me host in front of like thousands of people or whatever it is, Jonas Brothers or Willowbrook Mall. And then over time, as time progressed, uh, she wanted to pass along the Kids Concern Show, which was a show on the air on Radio Disney on the AM dial. AM 1560 to be exact, and it was on at 6:30 in the morning when nobody listened. So I would pre-record these PSA shows. They were called kids' concern shows, and I would either talk about kind of like children's issues. Uh, so I would talk to like a dentist. I remember specifically calling a dentist to talk about you know brushing your teeth and it being dental awareness month. You know things like that. So I would do things like that. And it became very cool because when we moved over to Columbus Avenue, uh, right above where, You see, Eyewitness News, uh, that's where I got to bring in a lot of other people and really reach out to organizations and kind of delve deep into the organization land uh, by bringing in like, I think I interviewed canine companions and I had a friend of mine who brought in a canine and I interviewed them on the air, you know, and all these topics and ideas had to be run through my boss um, because she still wanted me to run everything by her, which is cool. But that's where I kind of had my first feet in the water at like a board. And learning how to work it and and learning how to record on uh, something as simple as Adobe Edition. That's where I kind of got my feet wet in the pool, so to speak. And uh, it
1: was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. As far as you as an on-air talent at Radio Disney for this AM Kids show, did you have a lot of freedom?
0: For the half an hour, yeah, which was kind of nice. I mean, I okay. would actually write all my questions down for the organization. I would have a little intro. Yeah. Uh, I kind of sounded more like a kid, I guess, or tried to make myself kind of be more kid-friendly. So I would I would kind of dumb it down really, really simple. I would think like a kid. Like, what does a kid want to ask a dentist? Like, well, how do you brush your teeth? Like, can you tell me? You know, like things like that, you know? So it was kind of interesting to kind of think like a kid and put my myself in that kid's brain and parents too, you Were
1: know? Were you heavily micromanaged at all?
0: No, okay. not at all. Yeah, not at all. She kind of went with the flow and you know, was like, all you got to do is hit record. And that was it. And I was like, all right. You know, she, she pretty much entrusted. I think after the years progressed, she kind of trusted that, you know, it was going to be safe for kids. So it was, it was pretty cool. It was definitely my first time hearing myself I would wake up at 6 30 in the morning there were other times where I was like I'm not even going to try it on a Sunday morning if I didn't have an event to go to I was like "Ah, that's not happening and I'd turn on the radio and be like well it's pretty cool that I got to do that like that's really cool because I used to wake up in the morning and listen to my boss do this so it was kind of kind of came around full circle going from my boss to kind of her like passing the torch so to speak to me which is pretty awesome And, and and I was honored for it you know
1: my first commercial radio break, I would have killed for a 6 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> Slot time. I was, my, when I was at Party 105 and on, uh, Ron Konkoma, I was, my first shift was 11 p.m. to 3 a.m. Wow. That was not fun, but I, I loved that time. It was a great time. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. like, I'm grateful for that opportunity. And so with Radio Disney, if it was still on the air today, be it AM or FM or on the internet do you think you'll still be a part of it
0: definitely if anything i would have i would have stayed there till i died honestly i i loved wow. everything about it i loved hanging out with families and hanging out with kids and just getting getting to be like just Go with the flow, but have a good time. I feel like there's so much pressure when you're working with adults. I think people can understand that. Uh, whereas with kids, you just literally don't even know what they're gonna say when you put a microphone to their face. You, they come out with the literally say the dardness things. I think there was a TV show kids did. That's literally how I felt every single time I did an event or was doing some kind some kind of big launch. Whether it's the Nintendo Wii that was in Times Square or whatever it was, it was just so fun because you just didn't know what they were going to say. And I think that was the best part about it was just getting to hang out and just be free and be like youthful with these kids, you know? And I kind of like brought that into my own personality, into my own DJ personality off with Radio Disney, like not with them, you know? And I kind of kept that with me to kind of exude that youthfulness and just kind of like be free and just say whatever you want to say, you know, keeping it clean, of course, but you know, that kind of a thing. Um, I think it was just so much fun and that's kind of what made me who, who I am today. and made me the DJ personality that I am, you know?
1: So would you say your biggest takeaway from Radio Disney is that freedom and that youthfulness?
0: Yes, definitely. Definitely. I, I think the way I was trained was, uh, was definitely, you know, the, the, the Disney way, so to speak. So it's funny because everyone goes, how did you learn how to be that way? And it was a combination of things. It was not just learning from my bosses, but one of my best friends actually works in magic kingdom. That is literally his office in Disney world. And he, when you go down there and you work in the parks, you're, you have to take a class called traditions. And in that class, you learn everything down what what to wear, how, what color fingernails have to be, how to groom yourself, how to point, what everything means, the history behind the company. And that is what I fell into and he kind of like taught me about all that as I learned and progressed through the years. And I thought that was important. I think it's it wasn't just about picking up a microphone and learning how to do all that. You know, yes, there was ways about you know, talking to kids and keeping it clean and keeping it that way, and also don't forget the way you know you touch a kid or approach a kid. I had to use hula hoops. I would take hoo hoops and put them around their body and then drag them to where they were. You know, so I'm not touching a child. So it's a fine line of how to be cautious when approaching kids. You know, giving them high fives and fist bumps. You know, and then. It was funny because at one point, like a lot of them, they want to hug you. Like, that's literally what a kid wants to do when they go to Disney. What do they do to a character? They go and they want to hug them. I would have to put my hands up and go like this because I wasn't allowed to touch them. But it was the sweetest thing when they wanted to come hug me because it was the best feeling in the world. But that was just what I had to do because that's what I was taught. You know, so I credit my friend Daniel, uh, who still works in Magic Kingdom, to learning that. And it wasn't towards until the end of my, my time with Radio Disney where I actually brought up um, to the the young lady who was running the the whole marketing across the country for all these individual stations. And I said, you know, we should really have Radio Disney traditions because every time I train new people, they'd be like, well, why do we point like this? And why can't I wear my hair like this? And why can't I have a scruffy beard? And I was like, it's just the way it is, you know? And she's like, you know, you're right. So towards the end, Heather, uh, Heather, she, she, she literally like had like a nice big little conference with us. And she's like, well, thanks to Sandra, we're actually going to have this traditions class, this traditions radio Disney class. And I was like, oh, really? And she's like, yeah. And I said, wow, it's amazing. And then of course, two weeks later, we got the phone call. They're shutting us down. But wow, the fact that I was able to kind of create that impact and really learn and, and kind of engulf in that was actually pretty darn cool. I think that was the best thing. They used to actually record us on site with a video camera. So a lot of the times when my bosses couldn't be there and they would come, they would make special appearances in a ball cap and come out of nowhere to check up on us and make sure we were doing our job, which rightfully so, because it was Disney. Um, you know, it was, it was interesting that they did that, but they also, I guess we're doing it for reasons because I remember when uh, a lot of fellow peers or cast members transferred from one Radio Disney to another. One of them came back to me probably like, I would say, a couple years when he came back to New York. And he goes, you know, you're in the training videos. And I was like, what are you talking about, Robin? He goes, you are like the it girl for the entire country for Radio Disney, And I was like, what are you talking about? And he's like, you are the training video. Like there's videos of you in the training video. And you are like the perfect, you are what a host should be. Like you are the the model for the country. And I said, what? And I didn't know this. Mind you, they're recording all these events and you don't know. Uh, Yes, again, they were recording them because they want to, you know, either salespeople want to capture it for their recaps, but More so because they were also creating a how to video for the entire country. And I was like, that's really crazy. Uh, So it was kind of, it kind of blew my mind a little bit that that's why they were doing that. And then there were the occasional times where we'd have these big events like launching Nintendo Wii and Times Square where they were actually recorded for Disney Channel. So that was another really cool thing because a lot of times, a lot of part of my homework and part of my job was I'd, I'd go home and I literally turn on Disney Channel and they'd be like, oh, oh, look, there I am on TV. And I'm like, what? They were recording that? Like, it's funny. It kind of blows your mind because you're like, really? They were doing that? And then you go, or somewhat, my friend will be like, no big deal, Sandra, but I saw you like on a Hannah Montana promo video on Disney channel. And I was like, nah, it's fine. Like, and I, and after a while I just got used to it. Cause I'm like, oh, okay. You know, because they made it because we were Radio Disney New York. There was a lot more of a higher standard that had to be set because we were New York. So everything had to be pretty close to perfect. Almost like we were the Disney world of Radio Disney just here in New
1: York. You should be very proud of the impact <laughs> you have left at Radio Dizzy. And you should also be proud of your Sweet Beat show on yeah. OWWR, Old Westbury Web Radio. And you've been doing that for about 10 years. So with the Sweet Beat show, when you started it, what was your main focus and, and plan for the show? Like, uh, like how would you describe this in like an elevator pitch?
0: Ooh, yeah. and I like that question. So... I would describe it as the show to go to to discover new artists. Yeah. And I think the reason why I kind of went with that is it was funny how OWR kind of came into my life because we got the news that they were shutting down all the radio Disney's and literally within the two month span that that, and I thought my life was over. I was like, even though it was a part-time cast member, I was I I was crushed. I was depressed. I was sad. I wore glasses every day. I couldn't even wear contacts because I was just crying my eyes out because that's how much this job meant to me, And that's how much it meant for me to be there. I thought about the kids and the events and just everything and how a kid wouldn't even know, you know, like we brought a little piece of that magic to a kid in the Bronx who couldn't even afford a trip to Disney World. You know, that's how much that place meant to me and still does to some respect because i still wear the swag but i when i started there we worked with people like jonas and miley and demi and selena gomez and they were nobodies um even down to local artists because a lot of the times this is pre-working with Dis- when radio disney worked with disney channel it got a little bit more strict but pre that we got to work with a lot of unsigned independent artists that were local and I think part of that kind of stuck and resonated with me. And I thought that was the coolest thing. We even had a thing on Radio Disney called NBT Artists, which meant next big thing, where we would take local artists and they would follow their their rise to stardom. And a lot of these NBT artists got to go to Radio Disney California and do this, that, and the third. So I, I feel like I engulfed a lot of that and wanted to bring that into my own show and say, how can I translate what I love to do on on my level and and also bring the country realm into it because along the way i found country music so right before radio disney shut down i actually met uh, our lovely station manager joseph manfredi uh conveniently hey, no. at a show at a show actually at westbury music fair
1: i know I the met- story but you tell it please i it's met story. his
0: dad i thought Papa Man Freddy was hitting on me. I was simply just standing there doing my job, telling people to use the side doors. And he's like, "Well, what do you do when you're not here?" And I was like, "Oh boy, I need. Is there anybody around here? Can I get some help?" And I said, uh, I do radio. I work for Radio Disney. And he's like, well, my son teaches radio. And I was like, oh, wait, you just became my new best friend. You could totally hit on me. What, what? Really? What's his name? And he's like, he's actually here. He's like, Joe, come here. He introduced me to Joe. Joe came over. He said, this young lady, she she wants to do radio. She she doesn't know how to work a board. And he goes, you don't? And I said, no. I said, I'm actually just getting started with this. This is when I just started doing the Kids Concern show. Like, probably it was like three months in. And he goes, well, I could teach you. And I was like, you can? And he goes, yeah. He goes, oh, well, if I give you my card, you have to promise to call me. And I was like, well, okay. He goes, you promise? And I said, I promise. And he goes, but do you promise? And I said, I promise. And it was like he knew me already. It was weird because I know I'll take a card and be like, eh, and I'll look at it and throw it to the side as probably any other person would do, right? But I literally remember, I I, I think it was two weeks in and I emailed him. It was in like December and it was almost like it was meant to be. It was almost like it was meant to happen because it was not too far long after that where we had gotten the call that they were shutting down all the local radio Disney's. So it was kind of weird in a sense because it was like meant to, meant to be. So I took my love for pop, took my love for country, made a big old peanut butter and jelly sandwich and decided that's how I was... I was going to make the Sweet Beats show. And I just got Sweet Beats because I love candy and sweets and who doesn't? So, and it kind of rhymed and I thought it was cute. So I was like, why not? That was the hardest part was actually coming up with a name, (laughs) believe it or not.
1: Well, you know, I knew the story of uh uh Manfredi giving you his business card at what was it? NYCB. Now, that's what it's called yeah. Now, um, yeah. I knew that was the story, but I didn't know anything about his his dad coming oh,
0: up to yeah. you. Oh <laughs> yeah. He was like putting on the swagger and I was like, "Oh boy."
1: <laughs> that's crazy. So, um you said a lot of things that kind of like touched me in uh, in the sense that your show is about like music discovery. And when I was doing Alternative Avenue over there, it was the same thing. Yeah. You know, I think that's why we kind of gravitated to- towards each yeah. other, you know. But, uh, well, our personalities are similar too. Very friendly, outgoing people. But, yeah. well, I'm more introverted. But anyway, you-, you get the point. But you've gone about it in a different way. And I got about it in another way. And um, But the music discovery was always there. And when I listen to your show to this day, I'm like, I don't know who this is. I don't know what that is. But that's why I keep listening. And when it comes to your music choices, right, because um, you're saying it's, it's a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, great metaphor um, for all your you know top 40, the boy bands. I even heard some hard rock in there and yeah. country, too. And I heard Ultra Bridge and stuff like that. So th- that's really great. The mixed bag there is amazing. So did you did you kind of want to mirror a particular radio format or formats? Or is it just like you said, just your love of different t- types of music? and a platform for new undiscovered artists?
0: I would say the part, yeah, definitely my love for music and a platform. Because a lot of people say, you do a pop country show? Like, how do you do that? And at first I was like, how do I do this? At first when I was thinking about it, I was like, can I do a pop country show? And as we all know, country has kind of evolved. We say country loosely because I feel like country music has definitely come a different way kind of become a little bit more popified, so to speak. So I figured in my do I do the first hour pop and the second hour country? Like, how, how do I do this? So I literally created my own like kind of format following our station format. So in the first 10 minutes, I usually hit a pop format. Then we go to break. And then if anybody notices, I change it up. And during the next set, I do country. And then we go to break and then I go back to pop and then it goes to break and I go back to country. So I kind of like inter I kind of like really mesh it up a little bit Um, to kind of keep the listener listening too. I like to tease things up. And of course, you do love to chop up those interviews and love to tease it for the entire time, which is why I love recording them. I I don't mind doing live recordings and doing live interviews. I love doing that. But I think I get more pleasure out of recording them, so I can chop it up and play some "quote unquote" radio magic for everybody to keep that listener listening. To say, "Hey, I want to listen to her new song or his new song. I, I want to listen, and I'll I'll conveniently play that as the very last song to keep that listener listening for the entire time. So that's my little trick yeah. to keep them, keep them coming, keep them coming.
1: I just I like that you're you know you're innovating and you're creating and you're not just trying to. Um, just mimic something you heard commercially because that's how you know we all start. When I started in college radio, I was like, okay, I want to be like that. And then after a while, I'm like, no, I got to do it my way. Because yes. you know, yes, in even in the college radio level or the non-com level, you do have some people above you, but they're not going to necessarily micromanage you. You know what I mean? As long as you just follow some of their rules internally, you'll be you'll be straight. It was the same thing at, at OWR. Um, I wasn't really micromanaged. We just had certain things that we had to do. And that was it. It was nothing. Yeah. If you followed that rule, those rules, you you were fine. So when it comes to like your uh, reach and, and, and audience, are you trying to reach the masses? Or are you trying to appeal to a specific niche?
0: No, oh, anybody. I'm open to anybody who wants to listen. That's why I'll include a little bit of rock in there. And the reason why I do a little bit of that too, uh, not just because... I've had people who've influenced me on that. Like I've literally had a guy I was talking to say, you got to listen to Alter bridge. And that's literally all I listen to now while I'm walking or running and do my workout. And it, it's kind of weird how that happens. And now I love them, you know, or or I have some alternative people too that. Like I love senses. Oh my gosh. They're opening for boys like girls. I'm so excited. They're on their tour now. And, and they wanted to come by the studio. So it's kind of cool. Cause you'll get a little bit of everybody. And you also don't want to, you don't want to turn down anybody who even comes down your pipe to email you and say, hey, you know, if I find they're a little bit not more of my niche, I'll pair them up with a with a fellow colleague and pass them over to somebody. I have no problems doing that. If I find that, eh, it's not going to work for me as much as I really want to put them in there. But if I find that they're like, like Senses was definitely dope because they were a lot more of like that pop alternative. I was like, you know what, you could we can hang, we could do this, you know, whereas certain other certain, you know, types of music, I'd be like, nah, I think they're a little bit more towards this show or that show. And I'll kind of kindly forward it, you know, nothing against those folks, but I also, I'm the type of person I'll, I'll either find new artists or artists will reach out to me. And yes, I love doing them too, but I also like to give others the opportunity as well. It's not all about me. You yeah. know, there's no I in team.
1: Yeah, I got you. <laughs> I got you. You know, for me, I, I, I've turned down some some things, but I've also kindly forwarded things along to yes. other people. And yeah. it's up to the other people to do what, you know what I mean? Like I can, say, I, as a one man, part of a station speaking, I can say no and just send it off to somebody else. And no. it's then it's in the wind, it's in the void or what have you. But here, like with, with My Little Underground, I'm very particular. Just like on what moves me. That's all. Like, I don't care what you I care what you sound like. But like, as long as it's like, oh, yeah, that's something, you know. So when it comes to sweet beats on OWWR oh, Old West Bay Radio, you didn't go to the school. Right. Mm. But you were at, you know, NASA WHPC and then you were at Delphi with with pause. You know, why not those stations? Because you you're you're a student. You know mm-hmm. why OWWR specifically?
0: Funny enough, I was a part of PAWS web Mm -hmm. radio um, and they had, I don't know like the actual story behind it, but I know they had gotten kicked off for some reason or were sharing something with Nassau. And when I was there as like a junior, senior, because I finished off my last two years, not at Hofstra, I wound up going to Delphi. I joined the web radio station while I was doing Radio Disney and it wasn't an actual how do I say this? There was no board. It was literally a computer and the microphone, like the external mic that comes out of it. And that's all I had to work with. So it was kind of like, it was a radio station, but not because it was a computer and an external microphone. So that was the funny part of it, because I feel like they were just jumpstarting their radio station, quote unquote, so to speak again. And I remember even like bringing like a band in at one point who were friends of mine. And I said, Okay, I was like, how am I going to do this? We don't have individual microphones here. So I literally had everybody just gather around the one table with the one microphone there. And we just like, took turns like, yeah, it was, it was pretty brutal. It was pretty brutal. And as for Nassau, like, you know, it's funny. I didn't even, I might've gone to like the station once or fill out an application, but I didn't even think, I think I was so busy and engulfed because I was working at radio or just started interning and working at radio Disney time. I didn't even think about getting involved at Nassau community college, which now that I think about it, I would have gone back. And as for Hofstra, even though it was only their semester, they, I think, I think you, I I was like, hey, let me just sign up as a community volunteer. And I think they only take one community volunteer a year or semester some crazy thing like that. Yeah. They only take one person. So it was cutthroat. And I remember filling it out twice and it, they never got back to me. So I was like, well, that's that. It was just whatever it was meant to be. Interesting. Um, but yeah, I think I think. OWWR is what made me kind of just flourish. I think that place really because they taught. I I learned a lot. I feel like I feel like definitely at like Adelphi there was no radio. They don't really specialize in radio. There's no communications program per se. I think they I think nursing was their their big thing there. The big major. And theater.
1: They're yeah, back, so there was. is beautiful. Oh my god.
0: Yeah, so there was yeah. nothing really for radio. So it was kind of just. But it was funny because when they first started the radio station, my face was like in the hallway as one of the main DJs. I remember that, too, because one of my business teachers was like, oh, yeah, you have the show. I said, yeah. And, but it was so, and I think it was only like a 45 minute an hour show, like barely, maybe even that much, you know. So it's kind of funny how I grew from like the 45 minutes to the half an hour to the hour. Cause I think I only, only sweet beats was only an hour. It's like, Oh my gosh, I can only do an hour. Like, you know, I'm, and I was nervous. Of her, so I was like, I can't do this. I think I started doing a half an hour, then an hour. And then it grew into two hours. Cause I was like, Oh, there's not enough time. And, and then two hours, you know, if I could, I would do three hours, but you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work and a lot of prep. And I think that's where people kind of don't understand, like, there's a lot of work and prep yeah. when it comes into all of this. You understand? I know you get it, but there's a lot of hours. You, you know, you you record an interview, then you got to cut the interview, then you got to make a thirty second promo to re- promote the interview, and then you got to promote it on social media because you have social media to worry about now. It's like all these things, and then you chop it, and then you got to build a show because you don't want to just focus on the interview. You want to include entertainment news, include other music. You know, it's yeah. like. Phew. It takes a solid two days to make a show, you know, for a couple hours if you space it out. So
1: when it comes to artist interviews, right, how do you get connected with artists? Ooh, good question. So there's a ton of ways that I get connected. One
0: being social media. So I've commented on a lot of people's social, like, Oh my God, you're so great. I would love to like do an interview. And a lot of nine times out of 10, they'll DM me right back. Oh my God, I would love to, how can we make this happen? The second one is networking. I've been so fortunate enough to just network, network. Uh, one of the wonderful entertainment groups I deal with is Lakeside Entertainment Group. And they have passed me so many people like Lawrence and senses. And I got connected with them because I interviewed one person And now they throw me people every so often. Um, So I think establishing those relationships with management companies or PR people, that's important. Um, The third way I do it, with the country realm at least, because I know how difficult it is on the pop side, is I get these newsletters where I literally will get the... um, every year it'll give me the breakdown of the label and who the label represents and exactly like who to contact. So I have that magical little list. Whereas with the pop side, it's a little bit more difficult because you can't really find their PR or their managers as easily accessible as you can with a country artist. So that's why I've kind of, if you notice, I kind of, I think I interview a lot more country than I do the pop. And that's the reason why, because they are a lot more Easier to get a hold of than the pop side. Yeah. Interesting.
1: Mm -hmm. So as far as like your artist connections and relationships and stuff like that, is it mostly smooth or a, a rocky, challenging process to get artists booked on your show? Ooh, it's a combination of both. You'll find the ones that'll be like, hey Sandra,
0: I'm I'm doing a show next week and blah blah blah. And they'll literally come and they'll hit you up like clockwork. Uh, so that's the easy part is when you develop the connections with the artist, that's the easy part. Cause you literally exchange emails and numbers and this and that, and that becomes easy. But I think when you're dealing with management and PR, sometimes things can get a little bit hairy and sticky and there's not enough time, or maybe they can't do it. Or maybe like you have to pick a certain day or, or if you're going to the concert, we have to figure out like, are you, are they doing it before they're set after they're set how are we going to make this happen? You know, cause I go to a lot of concerts and I'll, I'll do coverage that way. So it all depends. Like I went to a festival last year, uh, in Florida and I literally hit up every single, I had every single PR, every single, and all of them said, Oh, this sounds so great, but there's no time. Oh, this sounds amazing, but there's no time. Oh, I'll see if there's time. There was never any time. So, uh, it, it, it definitely varies, you know, and that was the frustrating part. Cause I'm like, this is their last show. It was like in October. I was like, this is their last show. I know they have time, but you can't really go back and say that you kind of have to act as professional as possible. Um, but interestingly enough, when I was there last year, I did get to run into some of these artists and they were like, what do you mean? And I go, well, your people said that they didn't have enough time for, for me, but they had enough time for them. So then they go, oh, well, that's weird. And then they go, mm, something's off here. So like, it's kind of interesting when you get to uh, to things like that. And I've also had a lot of the times where if I know the artist or I interview an artist and they go, well, I had a little bit of a sticky situation with, you know, so-and-so or your artist or your, your management or a PR squad, they'd be like, man, just give me my, give me your phone. And literally would put their ver- their own cell phone number and be like, if you have anything, you need anything, you just just call me, text me, whatever you need. And that that to me spoke miles because you go, wow, wow, that's pretty cool to think that I've had that big of an impact where they were like, don't even go through them, go through me. Yeah, That's pretty cool. That
1: is pretty cool. What was it like covering the CMAs?
0: <sighs> oh, my gosh. Well, AC- I did ACMs. I did ACMs twice. I loved ACMs. That was so much fun. Uh, I think the coolest Oh, I part said CMAs, that, right? See, I know. It's fun. Everyone goes, oh, CMAs, ACMs. Ah, they're, they're kind of like all in the same country realm.
1: Oh, right. Uh, so
0: just, okay. everyone gets confused with them too. They go, see, it's funny because it's the same. It's CMA, but ACM, it's like, it, it's the same letters. It's so funny.
1: Yeah. You actually uh, called into my show many times to like give me some updates. <laughs>
0: I remember, yeah. <laughs> I remember. I remember that. So the funny part about those is I was literally like half the time, especially award show night, I would half the time I'd like pull my heels off and yank it. And I'd have like all the equipment on me, like my bag and I'd be running to the concourse level because I would want to go where there was not that much sound and noise. And that was the hardest part was like running in like my bare feet, like trying to get to concourse level to just like, or go somewhere where it was not as noisy, like behind a bathroom somewhere or somewhere where I would have to make those calls in. But those were fun. I feel like that to me was the coolest thing because it's like you're not just only painting a picture for people who can't be there, which is pretty much why I do what I do is you want to paint a picture for the folks who really can't be there. But more so to just like show people that you can even go to these award shows. You can, you you know, you can buy tickets to a lot of these shows and go and have a good time and and get that same experience that I do. And that's, that's what's pretty cool,
1: you know? Wasn't Sweet Beats carried by a Florida radio station at one point?
0: Yes, yes, no. yes. My pal down in uh, Orlando, yeah, he was he was carrying it for for a little bit of time and stuff like that. He still supports and all that fantastic stuff, but he's he's dive, he's diving more into the rock realm now, rock oh, right. and, and all that stuff. So I, I'm letting him focus on the rock. A lot of people are changing their, you know, the the formats. Like I noticed a lot of um you know, the country 500, which I did cover too one year, they did really well. It was literally on the Daytona raceway on the speedway. And it was the one of the, I think that was probably the coolest country festival I covered. Cause it was so awesome. I had free reign, you know, I was able to, I even had a little area where I was able to interview artists and stuff like that. And then they got rid of it after like two times, three times. And they, now it's, uh, and it's a uh, welcome to Rockville. Oh this- <laughs> So they went I don't from know country I to, to me. rock. Which is fine. It's fine. But I I I think that rock kind of rules or supersedes, depending on the area, supersedes that country right there. So more okay. power to them. Now it's now they get that cool racetrack with a uh an amazing festival. I think it's like a two or three-day festival. They get pretty awesome people.
1: So in like the decade-long period you've been doing Sweet Beats, what have you learned the most? Ooh
0: how to work my butt off and how to juggle things and how to never give up and how to just be persistent. You know, that person, that artist you make hit up two times, 12 times, 13 times, you just, you never know that you might, that 14th time you might get a yes, you know, no matter how many times you give up. It's just, it's given me so much of an opportunity to kind of get free reign. You know, at OWWR, I think we're kind of fortunate enough because a lot of other colleges have to follow a specific format, whereas we are fortunate enough to get free reign, so to speak, which just, you know, depending on the show, maybe perhaps some PSAs and commercial breaks, which is fine because that's what's training you for the real world. That's literally what's training you of what you're going to do if you do end up at a commercial radio station. But for me, I feel like it's taught me a lot and built me as a person to just work as hard as I can. And more importantly, ha- always have that, that outlet for myself. Like that's my me time. That's my time where I can be myself and let loose and just hang out and have a good time. because there's always that saying that if you love what you do, you'll end up getting a job and it's not you're getting paid to like not feel like you're working. And that's how I felt at Radio Disney. Like, wow, I get to be here and do this. I get to like hang out here and do this. This is crazy. You know, like those are the moments that really mean the most to me. And that's to me, like, yeah, I sit here and I'm like, oh man, I gotta edit this interview, whatever. But I do it and I say it because I love it. I do it, I say it because I love and wanna support that artist and I wanna help them out in whatever they do. And and it it means it means a lot and it and it goes A long way, you know. I've had artists who've sent me swag. I had an artist last week that said, "Give me your address," and I said, "What are you sending me? Please do not send me anything." And he literally sent me a box with the record, the album, and two T-shirts. And I was like, "Sir, Mister Hood, what did you do?" And he's like, "You deserve it, and I appreciate you. I appreciate the support, and I love you." And I was like, "I was like, you're gonna make me cry." And he's like, "No, but you." the fact that you do what you do, like, thank you. He, and he means it when he says that. And it's, it's the moments like that, that they go such a long way. And I'm like, this is amazing. Like just to get those opportunities to go see that band or get invited by that band. That's why if a band invites me to their show, I'm like, I will try to make it. I will never say no. You know, Senses invited me down to their show. They're opening for Boys Like Girls. And that is a huge moment for them. And I, I I was like, I need to be there for that. I was like, I need to be there for that. And, and their management team was kind enough to say, hey, we want you to be there. And it's like the moments like that, that they touch you and they go, wow, like how cool is that? And then it becomes real when you see them up there and you're just like, this is so cool. You know, it's like a full circle moment. And that's what makes me feel so good about what I do. I said, if I'm like 80 years old, I don't think I'll ever stop. I think that I'll just keep this train going. Because, you know, when you, you you know you have a voice and all these independent artists who are not on major labels and not on major record companies, there are so many people who could use the help out there. And I always said, if I could be the voice, then, hey, that's what I'm here and set on this earth to do and be that voice.
1: Wow. Sandra, this has been... An amazing, inspirational, motivating conversation like I knew it would be. And (laughs) I thank you so much for coming on My Little Underground. And please let people know where they can listen to the Sweet Beat Show where they can follow you on the socials and whatnot.
0: Oh, yes. You can listen to me on Fridays from 11 to 1 p.m. on OWWR. You can check out our website at OWWRNY.com org for more information on that you can follow me on socials all at dj sandra day i made it super simple for everybody you know give me the like and follows you know and um uh, thank you for doing what you do thank you for continuing to do what you do you know like think about how far you've come from everything alternative to my little underground like this is crazy but i love that you are passionate about what you do and this is what connects us yes is what holds us and binds us we are the glue because of this passion and you should never stop doing what you're doing i think if i had a message from, i'd be like don't stop don't give up keep going
1: yeah. you know
0: i think there's one quote that'll always stick with me and i always stick with a disney quote is uh walt disney once said if you can dream it you can do it and he did and you can if you can have that little thing in your head about what you want to do, even if it's a show or a job or whatever it is that you want to do, don't give up. Chip away at it. Just do it. Get out there. You can. It's going to take a lot of work, blood, sweat, tears, a lot of tears, a lot of tears, but you will get there. Your scrapes and your bruises will show it that you've been through everything and back and you will come out in the end. You will come out on top. My little underground.